If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a guy who works in sports talks to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. And again, another quarantined edition. I am your host, Brad Burke. I am here on lockdown in Chicago. Again, as I mentioned before, and I don't want to have to apologize for this every week, but right now it still kind of feels that way. Just continuing to put out content to help give you some more touch points with people that you follow in sports or might want to talk to. Also, full disclosure for my own personal sanity, at times it's okay just to kind of retreat into my corner of the home and do my own thing. So if you're like most people, you're probably gutting through the era of social distancing, the, the quarantine, the great isolation by checking out what's on TV. I know a lot of people are excited about the Jordan doc that ESPN is pulling up. I know a lot of people are excited about Tiger King memes, <laughs> as we all should be, especially like when the when the the folk uh, the one dude's like standing behind Britney Spears <laughs> at the MTV Video Music Awards. But it's also been a great time to revisit old comfort TV, those sitcoms you love, Seinfeld, Friends, Good Plays, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, Fresh Prince, Atlanta, whatever. Now more than ever, I'm seeing people kind of saying, hey, I've been putting off this sitcom. I'm going to go back and revisit it. Or, hey, Netflix just pulled on. Um, you know, this old show, I'm just going to throw it on. Uh, I saw Shay Serrano put out, a, you know, his new book project around Scrubs. So I'm just feeling big energy for the sitcom. And my guest this week is to, he is David Gardner. He is a writer for Bleacher Report. He's also doing this awesome new project, How to Survive Without Sports. It's a podcast where he's talking to sports media, athletes, not just about um, the impact that coronavirus and the shutdown of the sports world is having on uh, just you know their own livelihood, but just what are they doing to fill the time? So you know, I reached out to David and said, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he he mentioned a couple different topics. He mentioned mystic poetry, which we are going to get into. Please stick around at the end. We are going to talk mystic poetry. We also just kind of like danced around a few other topics, and then once we landed on TV sitcoms, we decided, look, we got nothing else to do besides work, let's go all in on this. He and I decided we are going to stage a TV sitcom draft. So it's like a fantasy draft for the all-time best TV sitcoms. And it was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun. Of course, I'm a super nerd, so I prepped like a 50-show big board, even though we were each only drafting six shows. My wife was like, seriously, you're down to like designing women and Caroline in the city on this list, you got to just like get over this and get back to raising our kids. You can see the level of desperation from me in how much time I put into this exercise. But honestly, it was a lot of fun to kind of shake up our format, our usual, you know, just regular interview and, and go back and try to draft these sitcoms. What you'll hear in the conversation is us debating everything from what is a sitcom? Is The Simpsons a sitcom? Are animated shows a sitcom? Is something that's more than a half hour or something that's more of a dramedy, a sitcom? And you'll see that that kind of come through with our choices. And hopefully it'll inspire you to go out and revisit some of these old shows because a lot of them now are on streaming services or you can find them or, or buy them or whatever. And, and I think it's well worth it. So uh, no distractions from me at the end. It's kind of a long exercise with David. I really appreciated him coming on. Had a lot of fun with this one. And like I said, I'll be back next week. Uh, just taped an episode with Keith Law from The Athletic talking board games. Had Keith back on. Stay tuned for that. So enjoy the TV sitcom draft with David and myself. And please feel free to skewer me on Twitter later on for my horrible taste in television if you want. When the drama comes, gunshots go. Never been a dope boy, but I got a dope flow. Straight to your brain, how my fans feeling? Oh, okay, you know me for balling and making jump shots, but I be moving the crowd like a honey gun shots. Before we get into the actual, uh, you know, physical draft, which let's hope is not the only sports draft we get here in the uh, in the in the next month. Um, but what are you currently sort of binging or rewatching here on quarantine as we're all sort of figuring out new ways to fill up some of our, our evenings and time. 
Yeah, so I did tell you in advance, I have some weird tastes. Well, I don't know if I don't want to call anything weird, because, uh, you know, whatever makes you happy <laughs> at a time like this, you know, you should just be leaning into. Uh, the thing that has given me most comfort is I have a book, The Essential Rumi, and it's just a uh, book of poetry by uh, a Sufi mystic named Rumi. He lived in, 12, in like the 1200s, and it's kind of this like sometimes scatterbrained, very mystical, spiritual uh, kind of poetry and uh, I read that every morning and then uh, as a total 180 from that I have been watching the end of Shit's Creek uh, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, coming to a close now and um, I have told a lot of people have told me that I need to get into Ozarks um, and I do like Jason Bateman because I'm a big Arrested Development fan which again we can get into in a little while but um, I'm not I, I've, I've grown away from like really dark shows it's just not uh really good for my psyche right now so yeah. i'm trying to keep it a little bit more upbeat so roomie's a little close to home i think the office parks and rec things like that the sitcoms that we're going to talk about have been actually the things that have been a little bit more comforting well it's fine we are going to talk mystic poetry at the end i, I definitely want to oh, circle good. back to that and and maybe even get, coax you to read a little bit uh if sure. you would because I, I was fascinated when we went back and forth on that we're going to go into the world of sitcoms right now um do our draft here in a second are, are you a super nerd like me? Like I developed like a big board for this draft and I had a lot of fun just trying to like figure out what would my strategy be here? What, what was your approach? And it's okay to say you did not put any time into it too. That's totally fine. No, you know what? I put some thought into it and primarily, you know, we didn't set very strict parameters. So one of the main things that I looked at was like, what do I actually consider a sitcom? Cause when right. I think of a sitcom, the paradigm is kind of like Seinfeld, multi-camera, there's a live audience, that sort of thing. And then I thought, okay, well, is Curb Your Enthusiasm a sitcom? Because definitely it's a situational comedy, but it is a, it's not what you think of when you think of a sitcom. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about like, does that count? And then like, how far into the like drama angle of it can we go? Like Atlanta, I think is one of the best shows oh. on television. Is that a sitcom or is it a little bit more of like a, psychedelic drama i don't really know uh how to categorize it and so that was what i spent a lot of time thinking about like here are my favorite shows which of them is like technically a sitcom that's really fascinating i i was with you that i think it my the way i did it in my head was it's got to be 30 minutes and it's got to be predominantly comedy now i i do want to ask you did, did you did you think of like cosby and louie being content that's canceled or still on still on your board do you like <laughs> i specifically went away from people who have been canceled although you okay. know definitely they would go in there uh the same thing with like aziz anzari's show master of none right? i actually thought was really good i think he was only semi-canceled uh yes, but I, I uh, agree. yeah still still i think uh, i i veered away from anyone in that there's so many great sitcoms that it didn't feel like it was necessary to go deep into the uh into that realm because louis to me is another good example of it's a, what you it's a dramedy i think of that and atlanta as being sitcoms you could i would i would listen to that being lumped in there but anything that ran an hour like yeah. i had a hard time thinking about and curb i also think 30 rock changed my mind of what a sitcom and the office the, the british office changed my mind of what a sitcom could be in terms of production cuz that's when i first started to think okay a sitcom cannot be multi camera but it just still needs to be predominantly funny and a half hour. Yeah. And about like a small group of characters, right? That's yeah. what the other thing that I think is like the defining characteristic. Cause I definitely had curb on my list and, and some of those that were a little bit more loose or improvised or whatever, but I would not have gone. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's endless ways to do it. I think we'll try to, if we come up to a tricky pick, I think we can, we can haggle it out <laughs> live in Got the it. moment. Um, Sounds good. Let me talk about your approach in this respect too. Cause again, we kept this very loose in our, in our yeah. limited emails. Our, our, our rules here are you're starting a streaming service. You're the, pro, you're the you know programmer of it. We're going to do six you know, half hour sitcom slots that we'll draft in, in, a, in a snake draft. But we did not specify, are you making this for your personal tastes or are you making this for the ubiquitous, uh, you know, best night of TV that you can put together? So did you have a, where does your own personal sensibilities, how much is that steering your selection process in, in this exercise? 
I don't care about anyone else at all. I'm the <laughs> I'm the leader of this of this streaming service. I assume that I've got a pile of venture capital money and I'm going to spend it all. And you'll see based <laughs> on my first pick that I'm ready to take out the ready to take out the checkbook and get going and go to a bidding war with people because I'm just interested in what I want to watch. And if people want to come along with me, that's great. Okay, that's good to hear cuz I I don't you're you've got the number one pick. We'll do Snake. I've got picks two and three, and depending on how you go, it's it could potentially really shake whether I go more personal taste or whether I go more. I'm just going to be you know Brandon Tartikoff putting together the most musty TV in history. I I don't I don't know. So it'll be it'll be fascinating. I I've been thinking it through about how my dynamics change when stuff that I like goes off the board, and I might be more like, eh, screw it. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm going for the ratings or whatever. Right, 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 right. I might have to force you to play defense early. We'll just see what kind of uh, what kind of arsenal I'm ready to roll with. And we'll talk about the shows as we go too, because I want to hear more about how you experience them, like favorite moments, that kind of stuff. So, okay, Definitely. cue the Roger Goodell voice here. <laughs> the first pick in the sitcom draft. What are you going for, and why? Well, I'm going to go with both my favorite television show and also the one that I think brings the most people in, which is Seinfeld. When I think of sitcoms, I don't think of anything beyond Seinfeld. That's the paradigm to me. Every episode is a great, like, convoluted story that ends up screwing George in the end. What's not to like (laughs) about that? Jerry's horrible acting somehow is still incredible like it still contributes to the show and then kramer and elaine are two of the best television characters of all time elaine is a national treasure julia louis dreyfus it's amazing we can talk about some of her other shows as we go along too but there's an argument that elaine is not even her best character and she was the defining sitcom or comedic actress of the 1990s um i think when i'm in a bad mood i go to seinfeld before anything else if i want to pick me up it's a great pick. It's the obvious pick. It's the way I would have gone. Um, what do you think about that show in hindsight? Because I think there's a lot of people who lose track of where, what sitcoms were pre-Seinfeld. Now, there had been some shake-up shows that had tried to do different things. You know, Gary Shandling had done interesting things. Chris Elliott was doing interesting things during that same time. But when I think of sitcoms in the 80s, I think of like family situation comedy with wholesome messages and characters. And then Seinfeld was like, these are irredeemable pieces of garbage that you don't have to feel bad rooting for. So from your yeah, perspective, love- how do you think it, re- it reshifted the landscape of what we thought of as uh, what situation comedy was? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it did. I mean, they had the rule, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld have talked about it, where there was no hugs, you know, no reconciliation at the end of every episode. In the end, they kind of got what they deserved, right? And I don't just mean that in the series finale. I mean, like, from an episode-to-episode basis, Jerry, who was kind of the most humane character on the show, broke even. George (laughs) went the other direction. Elaine went the other direction. Kramer, who didn't really contribute a lot of harm or good to the universe, ended up kind of neutral. So I like that there wasn't this kind of like moralistic reaching. And instead, it recognized that, you know, television for many people is an escape from reality and it doesn't have to be moralistic. It doesn't have to be any lessons. And instead, it can just be kind of about the absurdity of everyday life. And I think other sitcoms had kind of walked on eggshells around that. But like, there are so many things about life that are just fundamentally strange. And one of my favorite things about watching Seinfeld now is going back through and watching the episode like the Chinese restaurant or the parking lot where it would have just been solved by people having cell phones. And I think that's one of the brilliance. (laughs) That's part of the brilliance of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's the same kind of plot structures, but Larry David is doing it in a world in which he's easily accessible at all times. And so, I mean, to me, it's just like, that's the show. Seinfeld is the show. I would have expected that you would have taken a number one if you had gotten the first pick too. Do you have a favorite episode? I think about this a lot. Um, And surprisingly, I will say I don't have a favorite episode. The opposite, I think, is like the perfect episode of Seinfeld. I think it's the one that like every character hits perfectly. And I do have a favorite line of Seinfeld, which is totally random and almost no one ever remembers what I'm talking about. But there's an episode where... um, Kramer is trying to get menus delivered to his fax machine, only he doesn't have a fax machine. And he gets them sent to Elaine's phone number, which he thinks is her fax line. And she keeps picking up and there's that awful fax machine noise, right? (laughs) So she comes up to him and she says, you know, stop doing that, stop doing that. 
And he goes, uh, you have a fax machine, don't you? And she goes, no, I don't have a fax machine. He goes, are you sure? Because I've got all kinds of stuff in my apartment I don't know about. And she goes, maybe you have a fax machine. And he just like holds his hand up to his forehead in a very Kramer <laughs> way. And he goes, you just blew my mind. And it's my favorite line of Seinfeld. I don't know why. It's just like perfectly deliberate between the two of them. My favorite episode is also the first episode I ever saw, which was the contest. And oh, I saw yeah, my mom worked at a university and she had a group of students over and they were like, we got to watch this show. This episode was like amazing. And I'm sitting there awkwardly in high school, like, oh, my God, like this is about masturbation. But also it, <laughs> we, we lose sight of this now. But it was really redefining the boundaries for what was appropriate for that time of night. And they, they did couldn't it, say the word. Right. Right. And yep. yet the subject matter was so risque compared to anything else that was going on at that time. Yeah, they couldn't say the word. They had to go around it. They had to, and, you know, Kramer coming in and tossing the money down on the counter, <laughs> on Jerry's kitchen counter. I mean, there's there's so many great iconic moments of the show and so many great episodes. I mean, certainly the contest would be up there. I think that was the only one that they won an Emmy for, right? Uh, yeah, might have might have been. I know that, that fourth season to me is like the best season of any show maybe ever, um, although what, we can debate that a little bit later with some of the other picks, but... I just think it was so. That's the year where they won the best, uh, best original series for sure. That was yeah. the, that was the Emmy year. I think the other thing, and we can move on to your picks after this, but I think the other thing to really appreciate about Seinfeld is, although there are definitely misses, the fact that it went on for nine seasons in this twenty-two to twenty-four episode era of sitcom television, and almost I'd say ninety-five percent of them are really funny is super impressive because even if you think about like modern shows like modern family, I would say like 10 episodes a year of modern family are pretty funny and the other 12 are totally forgettable. And the fact that they had such a high hit rate having to produce so many episodes is one of the most enduringly impressive things about right, it. Right. Right. And now I feel like we've, we're in the 2003 NBA draft zone because you've taken LeBron off the board and my, For sure. I got a lot of winners following him. I just got to avoid the Darko. Yeah. Um, and so with my first pick, and I had the next two, so we'll do Snake. With my first pick, I got to go Friends. If you were going to go Seinfeld, I was going to go Friends. <clears throat> and this is where it gets into, I enjoy the show. It, when it popped on Netflix a while back, I was actually surprised. My wife and I revisited someone. I was like, I like this more than I thought I would from a nostalgia perspective. But also mm -hmm. that like personal taste versus am I just building a powerhouse block of TV? I just don't think you can do all that much better than friends when you talk about appealing to both women and men, huge audience, and somehow it like other shows have have managed to do or or like like you know Cheers did you know or, or things for us when we were kids we, we, you could catch it on reruns. It just found a way to a younger generation that also likes it. So I think it's got staying power. What do you think of my pick? I think it's I think it's an obvious choice for number two, and probably in terms of the streaming wars, it's the second most like valuable franchise that's out there. I think the, the heavy hitters are Seinfeld and Friends. I would say, interestingly, I had the opposite reaction. I definitely watched Friends as a kid. I was in you know middle school, I think, when it ended, um, and I remember watching it live, and it was a big event and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't revisited it again, not on TBS or anything. And when it came on Netflix, I started clicking around and watching some episodes. I actually liked it a lot less than I remember oh, really? liking it. Yeah, I thought um, the characters were more annoying than I remember. Like Rachel, I found to be very annoying. Ross, I found to be very annoying. I think everybody <laughs> finds Ross to be annoying. Um, and I found, uh, you know what? It was a little off-putting for me. I feel like every episode I watched, maybe it was just a bad random selection. I feel like there was a homophobic joke in every single episode yeah, of Friends that I watched. That's true. It, it it does. It 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 was a little more, and even just like the Monica fat shaming and and stuff yeah. like that gets really low brow, kind of mean spirited at times. That's I I will I, I do think like Schwimmer on that show I find hilarious in spots. Hey. I think just when Ross Rachel runs out of steam, I think the Chandler Monica thing gave the those characters new purpose, and I. I will applaud them for never pairing up Phoebe and Joey. Like you, you have to imagine in that writer's room, they were like every year, well, we got to do something with these two. Right. And everyone was like, no man, like get Paul yeah. Rudd on the show. <laughs> the, the classic problem with any sitcom where it's, you know, that six characters, guys, girls, like I think how I met your mother is probably the biggest victim of this where Robin Shabatsky just bounces back and forth yeah. between Barney and Ted. Like, 
you just run out of people unless you're going to bring in a regular into the cast and it people never really like the boyfriend or the girlfriend as much as they like core five or six people so like you said you know the ross rachel thing it's the tension of the show and yet you can't just keep digging from that well because it goes dry eventually and we might be breaking down how much mother later we'll see there's a lot to say about just how much you could pull from that same ball of yarn on that on that show (laughs) we'll we'll see if it winds up on our list all right number three this is going to be i knew this was going to be the toughest choice for me and it's the one that boils down to personal taste or what's right for the platform since i'm already going friends i might need to double down i'm gonna take the office even though there's another show i'm not gonna say which it is yet there's another show i'm dying to take here but this is my darko mentality i can't i I just feel like the office is is Dwayne wade (laughs) sitting on the board and I don't want to look back at my list and be like, man, he's got Seinfeld on the office. There's no way people are going to buy my, buy my show. I got to get one of these two. And I do feel like it's, it's appealed to the youth. And this is another one with, you know, Michael Scott is a lot of sexual harassment. It's problematic. The Jim Pam thing kind of runs out of gas, but from a, a, just, you know, the fact that Billie Eilish has seen it 11 times has to say something for who's going to buy my service. So, so that's my pick. Yeah, what I think is really interesting about The Office, and I think you went, you know, in terms of especially going streaming service, you went with the right two picks, second and third, because they've got to have the biggest fan bases. Um, But I think the really interesting thing about The Office, as I think about it, is if you go back and watch season one, and especially the first episode, they basically tried to make it a shot for shot remake of The British Office, which I like The British Office, and I like that type of sense of humor i don't think we'll get so low well i'll pick it but like catastrophe for example on amazon i think it's like a fantastic show i'd categorize it as like a sitcom dramedy kind of thing what the american office realized is that that same level of comedy doesn't play with the broadest american audience and so they instead switched it to be this very warm-hearted show where although michael is very cringy although the dinner party is maybe the cringiest episode in sitcom history they still (laughs) had these really saccharine moments where you got to see characters grow develop and they weren't just static and i think they did a really good job about that and you feel like you're part of a journey with them and i think that's what the best sitcoms do you get to see a little bit of character development you get to see you know these relationships form and change and there's tension and then there's you know relaxation of that tension and uh, you know the office like i said at the beginning is one of those shows that I think everybody is kind of turning to right now just to feel a little bit better about themselves in a dark time and especially a dark time where very few of us are going into work right now. Right. And I, I, I'm right with you because the British office was really important to me. Like coming out of college, I, I watched it all the time. I loved it. And I was really disappointed in where the show was going. The episode that won me over was when they go to Chili's and Tim Meadows is on and yeah. Michael kind of shows his value and he finds this hey, there are people who would like a dude like this and he's smart and you're like, okay, they're going to do something totally different with this character. So yeah, I had to go. It was, it's comfort food. I had to go for it. Um, but you're back on the clock. You got the next two picks and I'm, I'm very nervous which direction you're going, my friend. Yeah, and so it's, uh, again, this comes down to, I'm picking for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so this is, this is where it's going to go. And I'm sticking right in the Julia Louis-Dreyfus family, which is Veep. I think Veep, I love politics. And um, Veep to me, in terms of insult comedy, is maybe the like paradigm of insult comedy. Every time Jonah walks into a room, I just wait with bated breath to see what Elaine or what uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character is going to call him. Uh, I mean... Every single character on that show is an irredeemable asshole from top to bottom. You've got to love that. And the way that it so perfectly satirizes our current political system where leaders care more about the actual act of being in power than the way that they wield it, to me, makes it so perfect. I just love everything about that show. I thought they landed the plane perfectly when it ended. And uh, yeah, that's my that's my pick at uh, what I'm, I'm at number four now. It's a great pick. It, it, I had Veep in my top six on my board. In fact, I'll let you in a little bit about my strategy. I wanted to get like three kind of like must-haves. And then I was also looking at like, do I get one classic, one more raunchy, and one more, you know, like uh, diverse? Because these are uh, sitcoms are notoriously white, <laughs> um, white and yeah. straight. And so Veep was like, oh man, if I could get that, it's like my raunchy because 
the profanity in that show is just amazing. Like what an achievement for them to yes. find new ways to, to, to say what they say on that show and get away with it. Yeah. And just, you know, the absolute heartlessness of Selena Meyer, the fact that she has no ambitions as president, but only wants to be president. I just love that about her character and the way that they never made her grow up or grow into being someone better. And, you know, the scene uh, with her and um, David Cross, where they're where she finds out she's going to be president. I think it's in season four and they're on the bathroom floor and crying and laughing. I mean, just like so much incredible acting. I think that it, it's a show that I just could turn on any episode and know that I'm going to laugh just based on the <laughs> kinds of things that they're hurling at each other. Yeah, I love it. I love the pick. All right, you got uh, your your third pick. Yes. So my third pick, uh, I am going to go with um, an unusual one. And we I tipped my hand a little bit earlier. I was regretting it. I thought that you might come off the board, but it's a modern show. It's a recent show, but I think Atlanta is just so brilliant. I love the entire cast. Obviously, each of them uh, has gone on to do some pretty incredible things, including starring in movies and uh, even some like huge comic book movies. Childish Gambino just put out another album. I think that um, every episode is totally different from the previous one, and yet there is a through line. There is like a heart to the show. I don't think I ever experienced this with other sitcoms that we'll talk about where if you turn on an episode of Seinfeld, you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get, you know, George getting into some trouble because he's a cheapskate. You're going to get Kramer doing something crazy with Bob Sacamano. You know, you're going to get Elaine having some problem with her boyfriend, Jerry having some problem with his girlfriend. Every episode of Atlanta is its own little surprise and you never know what you're going to get from a very weird surreal michael jackson in a fun house kind of episode to an invisible race car that speeds off out of a nightclub to a night in jail and uh, i get a lot of delight and the absurdity of that show really drives me forward and i'm looking forward to another season coming up hopefully before too long this is an interesting pick because now as your board starts to come together you've got your hour block of like veep and seinfeld which is a powerhouse moment but like atlanta really is it's both prestige tv and it's got the high upside because it's still going you know there could be six seven more seasons of just like excellence and 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 redefining what the sitcom is so I like the pick here. It's a bold choice because there's a lot of good stuff still on the board. But, you know, like you said, it, 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 compared to your other two, you've got a really interesting kind of dynamic settling in. So, I Yeah, like I'm looking forward to By the way, I wanted to say in terms of this structure, I really like the idea of and I wish and I've said before that a streaming service like Netflix would have like an hourly program because I think I do the same thing that everybody else does where I open Netflix and I scroll through it for 15 minutes and I end up watching nothing because I'm so overwhelmed by the choice. I wish that there was like a 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. block on Netflix where I would watch a random episode of Seinfeld followed by a random episode of The Office. Like that would bring me more joy than having to pick it or start from scratch every time. Yeah. You know, if there was a while over the summer, I I got Shudder. Like I was watching a couple of horror movies on it and, and they have like a channel that just is playing live stuff that you just can go to as a default if you want. And I, I do feel like that is comforting <laughs> as a viewer, especially because the scrolling screens just sometimes you never find anything you want and it just begins to feel like you're at the video store and you get endless options in front of you, but you can't really get excited about any of them. Exactly. Um, my next two picks are giving are going to give me a little bit of chance to have some fun. With number th- my number three, I'm going Curb. I, I, I'm now... I didn't want to go... There was a, 30 Rock was on my mind here, but I've already got Friends and I've got The Office. I need to get something that's like a genre buster. I need to get something that's profane and naughty to like be the last thing on my on my my schedule. Curb was I was the highest like with Veep gone. Curb's like the highest like profane show left on my board, so I gotta <laughs> go Curb. All right, by the way, are you are you a Curb guy? Like, wh- where do oh, you rank definitely. it versus Seinfeld? Uh, well behind Seinfeld, but it has its yeah, own pleasures for sure. Um, and I would say, I don't know if you're up on this newest season, but I think this newest season was a absolutely delightful return to form. I would say the previous two seasons were funny. They had their moments, but they kind of became like 
you knew what you were going to get in every single episode. You could kind of predict where the punchline was going to go. And this season was a little bit more surprising, a little bit more fun, a little bit more absurd as well. And uh, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Curb fan. I think anything Larry David does. I even like Clear History, which I think most people don't. (laughs) I've always felt Curb was a little loose for me. I wish it was more structured, especially the early seasons where sometimes it's, it's classic. Sometimes it's just like meandering, like his wife is looking at him kind of like, come on, get, get to your joke, get to like something I can build on. But, um, but I still, I still like it. And I like how if you're going to take Larry David and have him kind of like reboot Seinfeld, you had to make it so raunchy. You had to make it so, um, willing to go places other shows won't for it to, to be differentiated from Seinfeld. Like you said, you can't say masturbation on Seinfeld. Larry David's doing just like the craziest shit you could imagine. Oh, yeah. And it's just him and his, you know, he totally finally let the George character off the hook and he's able to go around and act how he would really. It's his id, you know, and he's going he's going around and just terrorizing Los Angeles with it. And it makes for very funny watching. All right. So my fourth pick, this is the one that I I wanted to get earlier. It, It fell down the board. I'm happy to take it here, but you might challenge its existence on my board. We'll see. I'm drafting The Simpsons. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought about cartoons too, and I wasn't sure uh, if we would go cartoons. I mean, if we're considering that a sitcom, which I think is totally fair because it's a you know half hour television comedy, I think it's a pretty obvious choice. I don't know that I'd uh, be talking about season 462 or whatever they're on right now, but uh, <laughs> certainly in its prime, it was a you know culturally defining television show. Yeah. I mean, this is like my, if you, there's nothing in my life that probably set my humor the way the Simpsons did growing up because it like my turn into, you know, from little kid to, you know, teenager coincided with like the best episodes of the, of the show. The sad part is it's really frustrating for me to look back and be like, that might be my favorite show of all time. And yet I haven't seen more seasons than I have seen at this point. Cause I stopped watching yeah. it like 2000. Um, yeah. But even just to, it was interesting when Disney plus rolls out and it's like, Oh, by the way, we're going to make The Simpsons part of this. I just think the wealth of content, I mean, you got, it's like MASH, but good. So like, <laughs> or, or better. So I I had to go there. I'm glad you've accepted it. Uh, we get a thumbs up from the judges. So now you've got your favorite, favorite episode of The Simpsons. I got to know. It's impossible. I mean, for me, it's like seasons four, five, six, maybe some of three are some of the best TV ever. I, I uh, favorite ep- I'd have to start I'd have to stare at a list. I, I top of my head what first popped into my head was um Radioactive Man the movie. Yep. Um or when they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. Uh <laughs> you know like it, it, some of yep. those that got really kind of off the wall were really good. Yep. I don't know, but how about you? Probably Springfield get the monorail. Uh, oh, the, which the I yeah, the monorail is amazing. Yep which I believe Conan O'Brien wrote and just like the song and dance number in that one that sticks with me eternally. And the dental plan one, you know, like Lisa needs braces, dental plan. Like (laughs) all those jokes can pop right into my head. And I actually, as a child of divorce, the Millhouse's parents get divorced is always really great. Occasionally, if someone writes something on a whiteboard at work, I'm like, that's a door. And people look at me like, what are you, (laughs) what are you doing? And I'm like, it's a joke from the Simpsons. Stop. Yeah, just don't even worry about it. <laughs> All right, you're you're four or five. You're up, and there's still plenty of really good stuff on the board. Yeah, so in looking at my you know three hour block here, I feel like I've got a full suite of uh, weird and depraved. So I've got Seinfeld, which is you know everybody's going to watch that, but it's there's nothing warm hearted about it. Veep, certainly nothing warm hearted about it. Atlanta is more weird, although there are like some touching, tender moments in it between him and his you know his uh, the child of his mother and that relationship. I think that. I need something really warm here. And although I think this is probably higher than other people would rank it, I actually had it number two uh, or number, sorry, number four on my board, which is Parks and Rec. It's maybe if I had, if if I'm being honest and I had, you know, gun to my head kind of situation and I could only watch one sitcom for the rest of my life. It might be Parks and Rec over the office, even though I, or over Seinfeld, even though I claim Seinfeld as my favorite show. I think Parks and Rec seasons two through five 
are the peak of what a sitcom can be. Every single character is hilarious. Every single character is perfectly cast. The storylines range from the like very innocuous to the totally absolutely wild Rob shaving his head and when he you know goes off and remarries his wife Tammy and then has half his mustache and <laughs> cornrows and uh Leslie Nope is just such like she's Michael Scott with the biggest heart imaginable and this you know person that you really root for I feel like you care about every single character right down to Jerry and they even redeem Jerry. They make the blumbering idiot into this guy who has this wonderful home life and this impossibly beautiful wife. And I just love pretty much every decision that they made, especially in terms of casting. Like I think every single person on that show is perfect uh, all the way down to the little bit players that they bring in like John Ralphio from time to time. The rare show that I think rewards repeat viewings and gets better as it aged. Like that's a yeah. really tough combination. And I had a long time ago, we had Michael Schur on the show, um, which was like a, a career highlight for me and my, <laughs> my co-host. He came on to talk about this book, the power broker. Um, I was, his publicist was like, I'm pretty shocked. He's going on your nothing podcast, but he loves this book and his wife <laughs> banned him from talking about it at cocktail parties. <laughs> so I'm glad that you, <laughs> he, he just wants the outlet. Um, but I, I think to me, I think this will, this might has the chance to have happened to it. What has happened to friends in the office and, and Seinfeld is like gain more steam over reruns because it did get so good. And you don't have to do, I mean, even the final season of Seinfeld, I'm like, all the characters are just screaming at each other. If, if this was like every day you turned on the, on the TV and you got one episode, you don't have to just gut through the final four seasons of something where like they reintroduced Leonardo DiCaprio to the Growing Pains family or some shit. It's like right, a show right. that would just aged like a fine wine. Absolutely. And um, again, I think it's, you know, it's warm hearted. It adds, you know, I've got Seinfeld, I've got Veep, I've got Atlanta, and now I've got something that people can like feel good about after, you know, especially after Veep, sometimes you need a little bit of a palate cleanser. Hundred percent. Oh, I love that pick. I was hoping it would fall, but it did not. Now you you're up to number five. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna go with another feel good show and another throwback. I'm I'm at a real toss up point now because I there's so many shows and so little time. I think I'm gonna go with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in this Damn spot. It. Here. I had literally yeah. <laughs> written it down on the five line, and I mentioned I don't want to just be white shows. No, yeah, I definitely. really wanted Fresh Prince. I can't believe you took it. You just ripped it away like Dirk, <laughs> Dirk going to Dallas uh, instead yeah. of instead of uh, the Celtics. W what was the impetus here? Because I I was all about this pick. Yeah, I think um, in the opposite way, where Seinfeld went away from moralism, uh, Fresh Prince found found a way to be. It's a very preachy show, and it found a way to be preachy, but in a way. Um, that wasn't overbearing. And I think it had some things that are pretty interesting. Now, when you look back, there's a lot of class consciousness in that show. And I think when I rewatch episodes here and there now, I see that. And I see the tension between here's this guy who is from an inner city neighborhood, suddenly in Bel Air, suddenly in this wealthy area. And I think back all the time to the episode where um, he's asking uh, he's asking the butler to make him a sandwich, and he says he wants you know gray poupon instead of mustard, and he wants Gruyere or some kind of cheese or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he describes this whole sandwich, and then he comes down. Carlton comes down, and Carlton says the exact same thing, and Will's kind of like just the blood drains out of his face. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I've become the person that I hate. And then there's, you know, a lot of stuff about family in there, which I think is really good and about being from a broken family and about um, what you do when you have, when you don't have a father figure in your life and how you turn to someone else and in, in to fill that role and how even in the, under the best circumstances, even, uh, you know, Phil is not able to do everything for Will. He can only be part of that. So I just, I delight in that show. I think it's so warm and so special and it's one of the and it's you know it's laugh out loud funny too like if you go back and watch episodes sometimes it'll be a couple years in between when i watch something you go back and you watch any random episode and you're going to get at least one big chuckle out of every episode of the fresh prince of bel-air man my 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 draft room is kind of freaking out because like we, <laughs> i had my i literally had penciled in my fifth and sixth picks and i just had to totally blow it up i wanted fresh prince i love the basketball episode where carlton oh, yeah. steals the ball and then misses so poorly yeah. um and just they set it up in slow-mo like he's gonna make yeah it. right yeah. right and the whole thing with like every time 
Jazzy Jeff gets thrown out of the house, I laugh. Like I just yeah. I just find that to be so funny. All right, great pick. Great pick. All right. My last two now. All right, so with Fresh Prince off the board, I got to go Martin. <laughs> you've taken Atlanta. You've taken Fresh <laughs> Prince. Like I said, I, I cannot in good conscience not have some kind of, uh, of you know, just non-yuppie white perspectives on this show. Martin was high up on my board. I, I really think that show, I, I would have to watch it again. I'm sure it's got, you know, his, his humor was, you know, was always sort of out there or whatnot, but rarely does something like there, when a show is really carried by the dynamic of just two characters like that, like a mad about you style, you have mm-hmm. to nail the casting and him and Gina just had something. I mean, to the, to the point where damn Gina is still part of the cultural lexicon. Like I would be really satisfied with like a Martin um, curb final hour to my, to my block. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great pick to round it out. I have to say I haven't seen the whole show all the way through, so uh, I've seen you know episodes here and there and that sort of thing. So I'm leaning on your TV expertise here, but I do think it's good that you're not going with the uh, all white hour of uh, television. <laughs> yeah, <here. laughs> well, okay, and I, this is my final my final pick is picks are, are we're down to our last ones now. This was tough. My board, here's who's still up uh, up high. I've got 30 Rock is the highest one on my board. It was in my top five. Mm-hmm. I've got Cheers, because I was like, do I get something more historically epic, you know? I've got How Tip I Met Your... Tip your cap to the boomers. Right, right, right. I've got <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. I've, I've got Always Sunny, but I cross it off because I, I landed Curb, and I, 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 I don't... Ne- and I think Always Sunny, I liked the initial seasons of it, and I, it's another one that kind of went... Every, the characters got dialed up so much by the end. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've lost I'm, track I'm out of, of there. As well. Modern Family's there. Scrubs is there. Family Ties is there. All right, I'm just. It's it's really coming down to, do I go Modern Fam? <clears throat> do I go Modern Family? Do I go Thirty Rock? Do I go Cheers? And I think I'm going to go Modern Family. It Fantastic. was a, an Emmy prestige show. You've got a really fascinating large cast. I, I wanted to put like Scrubs here or take a flyer on Community. I really want 30 Rock, but I've already got a bunch of NBC style shows and it kind of shares that same sensibility as The Office. So there it is. Modern Family rounds out my top six. You know what? I think people have lost track of the fact that Modern Family, again, I think I said earlier, you know, probably 10 episodes a season are really funny. Also, that show was really really funny in the first few seasons like it was really a really great sitcom i think people have you know think of it as kind of like a sellout sitcom or whatever but like i still think back to the joke at the beginning i think the first episode is about cam and mitch adopting lily and um claire tells phil what the baby's name is lily and he goes it's not going to be kind of hard for her to say (laughs) (laughs) i just think back to that and i'm like wow you know like they really went there in the pilot which is really funny and i think like it's a great pick. And again, it is something that is like people love the kind of um, the warm shows, too. And it definitely is the opposite of Seinfeld in that it has a hug at the end of every episode and a little monologue with a life lesson, that sort of thing. Can I guess your last pick? Yeah. Do I have two more? No, you've, more? you're done your last one. OK, so you've yeah, got going to be tough. I've got here. I've got Friends, The Office, Curb, The Simpsons, Martin and Modern Family. You've got Seinfeld, Veep, Atlanta, Parks and Rec. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yep. I'm gonna guess right here. Again, we got Cheers on the board, Thirty Rock, How I Met Your Mother. But if this is for your personal taste, I'm guessing you're gonna go Arrested Development. That's a that's a great guess. I actually on my board. I'll tell you what's left on my board. I have. Wait, real the quick. Arrested what's the What's the last ahead. show on your board? How deep did you go? Because mine's designing. I went twelve. I'm designing women. I went fifty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went 12 because I wanted to make sure if you picked every single show, like if you, for whatever reason, picked every single show <laughs> that I was able, that I'd still have six you okay, know, left good. over. Um, so my board is actually a tie. The two remaining shows, I have Arrested Development and Fleabag in a perfect Ooh. tie. Um, and I think just with for the sake of recency bias, I would put Fleabag as my last pick. I just, I think season two of Fleabag is perfect i it's think it's a an absolutely perfect show um yeah I, but you don't have any more content is. like it's like picking the uk yeah. office you get tw- like 12 episodes or 10 whatever it is 10 episodes and it's over 
Yeah, I think that's the disadvantage for it if we're thinking about it in a block. But again, I'm not worried about what other people are thinking here. Just going for my own personal taste. I would say Arrested Development is right there. It's tied with me. I am actually a season four Arrested Development defender. Um, I think that uh, not cut. I think the original like long episodes, many of them are not funny, but I think they have some of the funniest jokes in the entire series. There's the episode where Tobias walks in on the... um, what's supposed to what's their version of um to catch a predator and he's wearing the <laughs> and he's wearing the costume and he says honey are you home daddy's got to get his rocks off and just yeah. like, <laughs> the absolute perfection and the buster big hand joke i mean oh my gosh like i think that it maintained the high heights but it dropped to some new lows but i think seasons one through three of arrested development are probably the funniest three seasons of any sitcom ever. The way the jokes call back to each other, the number of things that they put into the culture from, you know, no touching uh, to um, just so many things. I'm struggling to think of examples off the top of my head, but there are so many things that like Arrested Development brought us. I probably watch the first three seasons once every two years just to totally enjoy myself. And then the other shows that I had on my list that, uh, we didn't get to were 30 Rock, of course, although I felt like I kind of already got the Elizabeth Warren vote, you know, uh, block. <laughs> right. I, you know, I have Veep, I have Atlanta, you know, I think like the, I already kind of gave enough shows to my people uh, that I didn't have to throw another one in there. Uh, and then the other one is uh, The Good Place with your guy, Michael Shore. Yeah. I, I think that show um, was really smart. I think it was less funny than the other ones, but I think it was... Um, it gave you a lot more to think about at the end of every episode. I mean, of course, it's a show about the afterlife. And I think that show, again, the way they wrapped it up um, was really uh, pretty impressive. I'd I'd say the biggest winner overall in our uh, bracket is um, NBC. I mean, think of how many, you know, they were the, they were the paradigm of sitcoms in the, in the nineties. And I think it shows here. I mean, we probably got five NBC shows between the two of us right here. Right. Yeah. Well, I've always thought of them as like, you know, they're sitcom you, if you go that yeah. way, I mean, because they, they, they just with the 80s and we didn't even get into like, you know, there's a version of this where we're, we're, we're drafting like Night Court and Frasier <laughs> and a lot of those yeah. other shows around the Seinfeld and Friends and 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 Cosby shows and Cheers and stuff that were really epic and, and have huge fan bases. I mean, there's like more podcasts about Frasier, I feel like, than <laughs> than about like even The Office. So uh, somehow yeah. like there, there is a community of. Of people there. Well, when, when I would push this out, I'll make sure in, in the social post that I, I kind of lay our, our schedules out, and maybe we'll get people to vote on, uh, yeah. on who they like better. Let me let me pivot in our last minutes here, because uh, you give me a ton of time to mystic poetry. You you mentioned this yeah. is a, a daily <laughs> sort of devotion for you. How did this become the case? And give us a little bit more about what you really mean when you define this sort of genre of poetry. Um, well, I grew up in the church, you know, in the American Christian church, I went to, uh, like a big mega church in Tampa and, you know, it's not the one that, uh, the pastor was just arrested for still holding gatherings, okay, good, but, good. uh, they're probably friends with each other to be perfectly honest. And although, uh, that's not the way that I practice faith now, that still is something that is important in my life. Spiritual questions are important. I think what people think about the, you know, nature of the universe is something that is endlessly fascinating to me. And whenever people are up for talking about it. I do talk about it with them. I think there's so many different ways to view the world and view the universe and our place in it and ultimate reality that I, I could talk about it for, uh, you know, days and days and days. I discovered Rumi in um, just after college uh, when I was beginning to kind of like move away from the faith of my childhood. And I just found him to be endlessly comforting and He's so welcoming to the questions and he never really answers them. Um, Mystic poetry, I think just in general, is this kind of grappling with the divine or ultimate reality, ground of being, you know, people call it different things, but it's this thing that undergirds everything else. And maybe you believe that there's nothing, but still, there's still so much beauty in just contemplating existence and contemplating the universe. And so I read people like Rumi and, you know, I still read all kinds of ancient scriptures. I've read, you know, the Quran all the way through and the Bible all the way through and all that kind of stuff, just because I think um, a friend of mine once described it as, 
uh, if you wanted to understand the universe, you'd at least start with the greatest hits, wouldn't you? So, you know, I have tried to at least go through the greatest hits and the wisdom literature and that sort of thing. So Rumi is the one who stays with me more than anyone else. And he's the one that I, I read probably five to 10 Rumi poems in the morning, just as like a centering exercise. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned centering. How important is that given our current sort of quarantined state? And and do you find this is is helping? I've seen a lot of athletes, a lot of sports media talking about tips for just how they kind of get through their days. So what, what role does this play in your overall sort of just mental state? Just making sure that I stay uh, saying it's, you know, it's, it's this, it's meditation of some kind, uh, it's reading, it's going outside and, um, you know, walking around, being in nature exercise without those things. I think I would probably, uh, fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have a, like, is there, uh, we've, we've gone so long, there's no pressure to do this, but do you have anything in front of you you want to share with the audience or, or just even like refer them to specific collections or books or anything like that they should check out? Well, I would say the best place to start is The Essential Rumi. Uh, It's translated by Coleman Barks. So if you want to pick that up, um, you know, it's recommended on the back by everybody, including like Ram Dass, who's one of the great like modern spiritual uh, teachers. Um, I have a collection of some of my favorites that I keep on uh, Apple Notes. I'll try to find a short one here that we can um, that we can go through. So here you go. Uh, This is just a little passage from this poem that says, who says words with my mouth is the name of the poem. Hmm. It says, all day I think about it, then at night I say it. Where did I come from and what am I supposed to be doing? I have no idea. My soul is from elsewhere. I'm sure of that. And I intend to end up there. I love it. I mean, yeah. we're the only podcast in history to go from curb your enthusiasm to to Rumi to this, <laughs> but well, it, it, I can see where you're going, what you're, what you're talking about there. The, 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 just the tone of it, the sort of like big fundamental questions um, that it's that it's posing provokes additional thinking, not just sort of like I read it and it's gone. Well, everything, yeah, everything about life is interesting from the very minuscule things that Curb Your Enthusiasm exploits for comedy, because those <laughs> things are everything, those everyday interactions to, you know, big questions that ultimately we're never going to have answers to, not in this lifetime. <laughs>